Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, what's up, everybody? This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, we're a full month into the NBA season, but we take a partial pause this Thanksgiving week to recognize that college basketball season has begun, and it is feast week. Is Gonzaga better than they were last year? Who else do we see in New Orleans for the final four? We ask this of someone who will never be stumped for answers to these college hoops questions. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? And with that said, hi everybody and welcome to another rendition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin. My partner, Otto Strong, is out of office this week. I called him. I texted him. I emailed him. I immediately got a bounce back that said he's out of office. He's enjoying some pre-Turkey Day festivities. So you're stuck with me, and we're talking college hoops, which one thing I was watching last night, I was watching that Gonzaga and UCLA game in preparation for a week that has the Kansas Jayhawks down here in the city beautiful in Orlando. And my initial thoughts were, Gonzaga's really good. Gonzaga is excellent, but are the Kansas Jayhawks better? That's what I want to know at the end of this week. So we'll get a little bit of a comparison and all that. But before we jump into our interview with Howie Schwab, where we talk college hoops, we talk college coaching changes, we talk transfer portal. I do want to wish everybody a very, very happy Thanksgiving. If you celebrate, if you don't, I hope you are enjoying the time off. I hope you are spending time with your family. And more than anything, I hope everybody gets to enjoy their favorite sides. But with that said, everybody, let's go ahead and talk with the one and only. His name is Howie Schwab. It's Thanksgiving week, and that means a ton of college hoops on the menu to talk about what's taking place these first couple of weeks and what to expect going forward. It is the one. It is the only. His name is Howie Schwab. Howie co-hosts the Talking College Hoops podcast with Hall of Famer writer Dick Hoops Weiss. Howie is also a legend in the sports research world and hosted Stump the Schwab, one of my personal favorites back in his ESPN days. Howie. On this, uh, I, I guess it's the penultimate day before Thanksgiving. Thanks for taking the time and joining us, man. Good, good to be with you. Uh, it's fun with college hoops underway already, including last night, the Gonzaga-UCLA game, which, wow, what a performance. <laughs> but, but before we talk about that, uh, because that was, it was quite the performance by Gonzaga. I was not impressed with UCLA, but I do want to say, how great it was to have Dick Vitale back behind the mic 
just your thoughts on a good friend of yours being back uh, on the sidelines. Well, it was special because what he's gone through has been crazy. I mean, uh, I've known about uh, the cancer diagnosis for a a bit, and uh, he goes through chemotherapy, and yet he goes out there and performs like nothing's going on. He he was great uh, on the broadcast against the Gonzaga-UCLA game. It was very emotional for him as it showed in the beginning of the game when Dave O'Brien and he were talking and he started crying a little bit. Uh, he's gotten tons of messages. He's uh, been very positive and upbeat about this. And uh, thank God he's doing okay. He's 82 years old and uh, uh, to have to be battling this situation is, is difficult, but uh, he, he's, he's been doing well and he's feeling better and uh, one day at a time. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great. And I thought the college basketball world really needed to see him uh, back on the sidelines to hear his voice, to hear his energy. And I thought we got some, um, you know, just typical Dickie V calls, you know, Chet Holmgren goes uh, coast to coast, he slams it home. And then we get the diaper dandy, we get the oh my, and it sounded like vintage Dickie V. It was tremendous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he was. He was on top of his game. He sounded great. I was very happy for him. Uh, he worked very hard for this, and now he moves on and does another game in Orlando uh, in a few days, and we see how he reacts after going through all this. Uh, not easy, but uh, he's he's got a heart of gold, and uh, for all he's done for cancer patients and cancer research, uh, I'm just happy he's happy to be able to do some games. And I think that's great medicine for him. 100%, 100%. There's nothing better than doing the thing that you love. And Dickie V is an integral part of the college basketball fabric. So we're very happy to have him back. We're very happy to have him behind the mic. And he got to do, I think, what a lot of people thought was probably the most anticipated game this year, Gonzaga and UCLA. Chet Holmgren was simply fantastic. I thought Gonzaga from the opening tip looked to be a far superior team than the Bruins. Just your early takeaways from what we've seen of Gonzaga so far. They've got two big wins over two teams that are in the top five now, and they pretty much wiped the floor with both of them in Texas and UCLA. I was surprised that both games were such blowouts. Uh, especially the UCLA game. UCLA out for revenge after losing last year on the Suggs shot, and it was never a game. I mean, there were 24 points when you blinked an eye. Uh, Gonzaga's defense, I thought, was incredible. Uh, UCLA missed a lot of easy shots, uh, missed a lot of jumpers, and uh, Gonzaga in transition is incredible. They just get the rebound and run, 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 and get easy baskets, easy shots, hit threes. Holmgren inside was was very good. Uh, Strouder, I thought, was very good. Nemhart had a great game as well. Didn't make mistakes. Good passes, good shooting, especially in the first half. He had a really good first half, and uh, the game was over at halftime. It was a 20-point game. UCLA wasn't coming back. And uh, I give Mark Fuse's team a lot of credit. They are by far the best team in America now. Can they finish it off and, and win a national title? Uh, we thought last year they were going to two and 30 straight, and 
in 31 straight, and then uh, Baylor got him. And Baylor was unbelievable in that game. Uh, give Scott Drew's team a lot of credit. But uh, Gonzaga is clearly the number one team in America. There's no doubt about it. After watching this team through its first six games, do you think they're better than the rendition that we saw from Mark Fuse Gonzaga Bulldogs last year? Uh, it's hard to say that. Yeah. Because when you, you have a team that had Suggs, Ayai, Kispert, I mean, the, those guys are, you know, NBA players. Uh, it just shows Mark Fuse, incredible recruiter, incredible with the transfers. He's been a guy who's taken advantage of transfers for a long time now, from Wiltshire, from Williams Goss, from uh, all the way. I mean, it's been years and years he's done this and very successfully. Uh, and again, now with Nemhard, I mean, it's just there. He's been very smart in assembling teams. And I think this year, this year could be the year they cut down the nets. Yeah. And he, he's done it in the transfer portal, but he's also done it with his high school recruiting classes. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I think the last few years they've gotten better and better. And it, it used to be, you'd look at his classes and they'd be three and four star guys that would stay throughout the course of their yeah. college years. And when they were seniors, that was the team that would make the run. Now he's getting the upper echelon of the high school ranks and it shows in Chet Holmgren. I mean, he plays 28 minutes last night, 15 points, six rebounds, four blocks. And the way, I, I mean, he's as skinny as a string bean. There's no, no doubt about that. Amazing. But, you are soaking wet when you weigh him. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. It's, he looks so thin, and yet he does so much. It's, it's, it's wild. And Hickman's a heck of a player, too, even though he doesn't get as much time now. Uh, you know, the NBA scouts know because uh, both guys are listed as first-round picks at the moment uh, based on rankings. So, uh, certainly the recruiting and the transfer portal have helped establish Gonzaga as the team to beat. What about Drew Timmy? <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk about him, too. He's only going to be the player <laughs> of the year. I mean, I mean, what he did against Texas was ridiculous, 37 points. I mean, he just absolutely destroyed a very talented roster. Now, the problem with Texas is they have so many transfers that – establishing chemistry early is tough. I'll tell you two teams that I've seen that have just not been, well, uh, that have been floored by this are Texas and Oregon. They both have a lot of transfers. Oregon has been, I mean, it had Will Richardson back too, but uh, the chemistry is just not there. Oregon's confidence level has been shot early on in the season. They've lost three games and, uh, Dana Allman's team will come back though. There's just too much talent there. Texas has uh, so many stars also through the transfer portal between Marcus Carr and Allen and uh, on and on. But I mean, they have like five or six guys who were starters on another team in division one. So, and then you bring back Andrew Jones, you bring back Ramey and you, Texas is going to be loaded, but it's going to take Chris Beard a little time to have them uh, all play at the, on the same page. Yeah. Uh, 
it's not easy. I mean, the chemistry is so important. Look, look at Gonzaga, and they have so many new players, Gonzaga, and yet the chemistry they're they're unbelievable. It's part of the system. It's part of the system that Mark Few runs. It's part of the way that he runs his practices. Now, on the other side of the court, UCLA. A lot of people thought that this was a team for the Bruins that is Final Four bound. I, I mean, people have said all year long, probably the top three in the upper echelon in the college basketball is Gonzaga, UCLA, and potentially my Jayhawks. I think my Jayhawks are there. I'm not sure yet. But after watching UCLA go opposite of Gonzaga last night, do you have concerns about the Bruins? I think it's one game. I wouldn't get too crazy. Remember, they did beat Villanova. They came back in that game. They were down 10, 11 points and rallied. And Tiger Campbell hit the two big threes when they were down, got them back in the game. I mean, Zuzang and uh, Haquez missed some open looks early that if they make them, it's a different game. Uh, but once it snowballed and UCLA was down and down and out, really, when they're down 20 at half, uh, it was tough. But when you look at the talent, and Mick Cronin knows he's got a very good team that's capable of, of challenging for another na- for another national title. I mean, realistically, and it hasn't been since Jim Harrick was the UCLA coach that the Bruins won it all, which is uh, amazing when you think about it. But uh, bottom line is, I think that you said will be heard from still. It's one game. I mean, you have a bad night, it happens. And uh, realistically, in the Pac-12, they should dominate that league. I mean, USC is okay. Arizona's been a major surprise so far. But uh, Oregon's been a disappointment. Uh, bottom line is you said should win the Pac-12. And... Um, hopefully make a run through the tournament. But then again, you never know with the craziness of the NCAA tournament. I think there are so many good teams this year. There's so many uh, super seniors back that change the picture of this thing. Uh, It it becomes challenging. I mean, uh, I look at like UConn, for example, uh, which beat Auburn. Uh, UConn's got some talent. Uh, They've got different players who can beat you. Uh, I think that's very important, too, when you have four or five guys capable of being your leading score on a given night uh, so the defenses can't necessarily concentrate on just one or two players. Uh, there are just a lot. Of, I'd say there are 15 to 20 teams capable of winning it all. But right now, Gonzaga is the clear-cut favorite based on seeing the Texas game and the UCLA game. Yeah. And to your point, I think it was important for college basketball to have a year like this where they have a lot of upperclassmen because I, I mean, my general perception for a long time throughout the course of the game is, and I'm someone who follows college basketball pretty clearly. I'm, I'm a Jayhawk fan. I watch every basketball game. So I, I watch the league. I watch what's happening around the circuit. And when there's so much turnover, and there's so many freshmen and sophomores on the roster. You don't build those connections that I used to, like when Paul Pierce, Rafael Friends, and that whole crew was there, or when Drew Gooden, Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, those teams were all there, right? So it's nice to finally have a class like this. And I'm but not going to pivot. The one and done. That's the thing. <laughs> so many teams go with the one and done players. Duke does it. Kentucky does it. Gonzaga even, because Holmgren's going to be a one and done. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many guys. And then you look at the draft rankings 
and you see 10 guys and seven of them are, are freshmen. But I it mean, goes to, it goes to the point that that's how you have to build a roster in today's college basketball landscape, right? Like you have to be able to mix and Gonzaga is a perfect example of this. You have to be able to mix your upperclassmen, someone like a Drew Timmy with someone like a Chet Holmgren and get the most out of them in order to be a championship caliber team, right? You well, can't clearly, do it one way clearly, or the other. Clearly, you learned that last year from one team for sure, and that's Kentucky. Kentucky last year had so much talent, but they were all young for the most part outside of Keon Brooks and a couple of guys, but you didn't have the stars who were veterans to go with the freshmen, and it showed, and Kentucky had a terrible year. Uh, Kentucky is a great example of what you just said, that you need the combination of both veteran stars or veteran key players who are leaders too. And uh, the young freshmen, uh, the, the solid, highly regarded high school stars who are moving up to the college game. Is the transfer portal good or bad for college basketball? <sighs> 1,700 transfers is terrible, uh, absolutely ridiculous. And the number of teams that were hurt by this, it's sad. But uh, it has added some interest because so many teams have added good players and, and made a difference in their team. And I think one example is St. John's, which lost six, seven players and then adds – uh, Steph Smith, uh, Mathis from Rutgers, Soriano from Fordham, uh, Coburn from Hofstra. Uh, it's like, it's almost interchangeable per se. Of course, they have Champagne and Alexander back though. Alexander was hurt last night. Uh, bottom line is you have to establish chemistry. And when you have that many transfers, there'll be times where there are games where they just don't gel or one guy feels he needs to be the scorer and uh, maybe other guys feel left out. I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating to see just the sheer number when you, you hear 1700 transfers. Yeah. I was going to say, because the, the reason I asked that is we piv we pivoted to Kentucky a little bit and John Calipari went very heavy in the transfer portal this year to reconstruct his roster do you think it's better? Maybe not better is not the right word, right? But but I feel almost as if the rich are going to get richer, right? Like you look at programs like North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas. Kansas and Kentucky went very heavy in the transfer portal this past offseason. But I also feel like kids are going to go to maybe like an Iowa state or something, right? Like they'll spend one or two years there. And then once they get noticed, then they're going to be picked off by the bigger programs. Is it almost setting a precedent where maybe like these high level D one schools are just going to become feeder systems for the blue bloods a little bit, but here's the other thing. You have a number of D one schools in the mid major category, losing players left and right, their best players because they want to move up and go to one of these blue bloods. Uh, Grady from, uh, Davidson going to Kentucky is an example. I mean, there's just so many. I mean, you talk about Calipari reconstructing his team. He has one of the leaders in assists in the country right now in Wheeler from Georgia. 
He's got one of the leading rebounders in the country and Sheboy from West Virginia, who's an absolute beast on the boards. Which, by the way, I'm so happy he's out of the Big 12 now. Yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of I'm sure a lot of people are very happy that they don't have to face him every night. I mean, what he's doing on the glass is, is, is around 16 a game uh, early. And he's, he's just so tough. And that's something they missed last year. They didn't have uh, – Sar was not what Sheboy is now. No way. So uh, I think that they've replaced a lot of things that they needed, uh, needed veteran leadership, needed uh, a point guard that was consistent. And Wheeler averaging over eight assists a game is is certainly getting the ball to the right people. Uh, so I think Calipari's done a good job uh, restocking and reboosting and using the transfer portal the right way. Will this change how those programs recruit the high school ranks? Will they maybe only so. take one or two high school kids now and then just supplement their roster with transfers? I think it depends on the school. Like Kentucky has certainly gone out and recruited very heavily in the high schools for next year and signed several kids. Michigan has signed several players. Uh, it, it depends on the school. I mean, I think the quick fix is get a kid who uh, has already played a year or two of college ball and get him to transfer. And uh, we have to see if the NCAA is going to change the rules too. I mean, this is partially because of the COVID situation that. Uh, they tried to be fair to kids and say, okay, we're going to give you an extra year. Uh, I'm not so sure they're going to keep that doing that forever. I think they may have to rethink that because the sheer numbers. And if I'm a coach, I'm saying to myself, uh, yeah, it's nice to have a guy who's already got experience, but do I really want headaches of uh, suddenly I have four kids who are high school stars and now they're not going to play the freshman year because I have three or four veterans from the transfer portal. And then these kids are going to want to leave and it becomes a bigger headache after that. So, I mean, it's, yeah. there's a lot of elements to this that make it kind of crazy. So when you think of numbers, I mean, you're talking 350 or so division one schools and 1700 uh, that's, Actually, it's more like 1740-something, but it's amazing. I mean, it just uh, – people think there's greener pastures. Okay, I get it if you want to leave, if you're not getting enough playing time or your coach left, things like that. But when a guy like Remy Martin, who was a pretty good player at Arizona State, says, eh, let's go to Kansas, maybe we win a national title. Uh, or – I mean, there's just so many. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see what happens during the year. Well, first of all, you got to stay healthy. Yeah. And second yes. of all, uh, you got to be in a situation where your team chemistry works out. I mean, there are some teams, like I said, like I mentioned, Oregon. Uh, they have talent, but so far, it's I mean, BYU just dismantled them. Houston dismantled them. Uh, St. Mary's beat him. Uh, it's kind of surprising. And Dana Ullman's a good coach. He's been to the Final Four. Uh, we'll see if they can right this ship. 
Yeah. One of the teams we haven't talked about is also going to get a test against Gonzaga later in this week. And it's coach K's final year at Duke before he hands the reins over, which is very sad to me. It, it'll be sad to not see him roaming the sidelines at Duke, but just your early perceptions of this Duke roster and can they give Gonzaga a little bit of a push in what will be two nights? First of all, he's entitled to retire. Uh, he's had uh, problems with his back. He's oh yeah, he's 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 given everything he's had. Given everything he can. He's been one of the greatest college coaches of all time. You could argue between him and Wooden and Dean Smith and Bobby Knight, whatever and Ruppin, whatever you want. But he, he's certainly up there. Um, I think it's it's early to tell how good this team is because outside of the Kentucky game, they've played a lot of lesser teams. And in the first half of some of these games, they've struggled a bit. So, uh, but certainly the talent is there, but it's such young talent between Banchero and, and Keels and, and Griffin and, and down the line. Uh, yes, they have a few veterans back. Mark Williams, I think, is going to be a very pivotal player for them in the middle. Uh, having a shot blocker and a rebounder and a, a, a guy who can score inside uh, makes a difference. Um, I'm impressed with Banchero because he can shoot long range. He can drive to the basket. He rebounds. He, he does everything. And uh, he'll certainly be one of the top three to five picks in the draft, maybe two, maybe one. I mean, it's uh, this is a very good Duke team in, in writing on paper. But uh, until they play Gonzaga, we'll see what happens. And uh, I, I think this has got to be a better game than that UCLA game was. Yeah. I mean, certainly no one's been able to stay on the floor so far with Gonzaga. So it'll be, just be interesting from that perspective if Duke can keep it close. Uh, I do want to ask you before we let you go, um, we're going to get your final four picks here in a little bit. But also there was a changing the guard that UNC Roy Williams steps away. Uh, that one's bitter, bittersweet for me. I knew him for 15 years at the University of Kansas. Loved watching him at North Carolina. How different is that North Carolina team now? And what have you seen from them early on? Very different. And of course it's going to be different because Hubert Davis is first year as a, a head coach. So there's going to be adjustments. And again, transfer portal. You had Brady Manick from Oklahoma. You had Dawson Garcia from Marquette uh, to go with Baycott. You have young guards. Uh, it's going to take a little while. I mean, the, the, they got beat uh, the other day, and uh, yet I, I think Carolina's got talent to challenge. But I tell you what, the ACC as a whole looks like it's down outside of Duke. I mean, Virginia got beat early by Navy. You have uh, Florida State got beat by Florida. Uh, some of the other lower teams like Pittsburgh got beat by Citadel. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild how the ACC, I believe has only one ranked team uh, as of the other day. So that's, that tells you something, but I think Carolina is going to be okay. Uh, and I'm rooting obviously for, for coach Davis. Cause I used to work with him at ESPN. I love him. Great family man. Great person. How, how, how happy were you when he got that job? Very happy. I was happy because he's, like I said, good, good people. He, uh, he deserved it. He's been on that bench for a while and uh, I'm happy to see him. 
Uh, I'm happy to see Coach Shire at Duke taking over for Coach K. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see some of these young coaches, how they do. Uh, oh, I was, I was just going to say, do you think that's going to be the new way that some of these programs choose their head coaches? Depends on the program. Depends on the program because, like, uh, you look at the changes last year, several schools went for veteran coaches. Like Texas took Chris Beard away from Texas Tech. Shaka Smart went from uh, uh, Texas to Marquette uh, and on and on. You always see that. But then you see some years where uh, young coaches like Valentine at Loyola, Illinois, comes in for Porter Moser, who went to Oklahoma. Uh, You know, it depends on the scenario. And you got to do something that fits your program, or at least the AD's got to be comfortable with the scenario. So uh, I think that's important. But uh, what's good to see is we had so many coaching changes again, not necessarily good for the guys who may have lost their job, but, uh, but it's nice to see the drama of asking how is Arizona going to do with Sean Miller gone? How is Cincinnati going to do now that Wes Miller is there and on and on, you have so many questions going the season, I think it adds interest to the sport. And I think that's very important too. Any way we can promote college basketball. And the other thing I love about college basketball, look, we're, we're not even a month into the season. You had Purdue play Villanova in North Carolina. You had Duke, Kentucky. You had Gonzaga, Texas, and Gonzaga, UCLA. And I'm just starting. I mean, uh, there's so many. And uh, today, the Connecticut-Auburn game, uh, was unbelievable, the double overtime. What an emotional, exciting, fun game. And as a quarterfinal of a tournament, I mean, realistically, it's not the NCAA tournament, but you get an idea and a feel for how good your team is and what you can improve on and scenarios of, uh, of what you have to work on. And I, I think it's so important to have these early season tournaments, and it's great. I wish that college football had uh, more important early season games. There were a few week one this year, but then it slowed down dramatically until you got to league play. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, anytime I can watch my Kansas Jayhawks play on three consecutive days, sign me up for it every time I'll be in. Uh, I, I live in Orlando, so I will watch them play on what will be on Sunday. So hopefully they'll be playing Alabama, which would be a really good game for them. But, Howie, I do have to ask you, one, your takeaways on what you've seen from my Jayhawks so far. Uh, Very good, actually. Very good. They were impressive in the Michigan State game. Um, They struggled a little against Stony Brook, which was, uh, I thought, interesting. It's a tough first half for them. Uh, But realistically, you know, they had a lot of veterans back. Uh, So I think that helped them. And then adding Remy Martin is a huge pickup. There's a guy who's going to score, could average close to 20 a game if he lives up to what he did at Arizona State. So uh, I think Kansas will be right up there. I I like Kansas. I like what Bill Self has uh, accomplished there and set up there. That's what I like to hear, Howie. You're just, you know, you're just, you're making me happy right now. And I appreciate that. Gonzaga's the top team. Then after that, I think you'll drop UCLA a little bit this year, this week, but uh, the Dukes, the Kansases, the, uh, 
Uh, I said Baylor. I think Baylor's got a very nice team. Uh, and Scott Drew does yeah. a super job with what he has. And they lost so much. And yet you talk transfer porter. How about a Kinjo? I mean, here's a guy who was at Georgetown. He was in Arizona. And now he comes out there and uh, is so vital and so important. Uh, they have guys who were waiting in the wings or role players last year that now become much more important, uh, like Mayer. Uh, here's a situation where Baylor is going to be a tough team. And that's why Kansas, you know, Kansas being in a league with Baylor and Texas, not easy. It's going to be really fun to watch this year. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. And it's also fun to see some of these newer coaches like Texas tech. Like, I mean, there's just so many different storylines in college basketball because of coaching changes and the transfer portal. Yeah. It's going to be fun to follow all year long. One thing we will be following all year long, Howie, your final four picks. So who you got this year? It's early. I know. And a lot's going to change, but I'm not going to hold you to them, but I'm interested in who you're feeling right now. I'm going to go on a limb. Gonzaga is one. Okay. I still think Texas will be fine. I think the talent on Texas, they will be able to get it together. Uh, I'm tempted to say Kansas, but I'm not going to do that. Come on, Uh, Howie. Sorry. (laughs) You know, it's funny, but Villanova, when watching them, when you see guys like Dixon and Slater are contributors who will only get better, and you have the veterans like Gillespie and Samuels taking advantage of the situation, I think Villanova's got a legit shot to get there as well. Uh, which may surprise you. And then I guess if I had to pick a fourth, despite the disappointment against Gonzaga, uh, I would lean to UCLA. But then again, usually in a year like this, you have someone come from nowhere. You have some team, maybe a St. Bonaventure, for example. Though people now know St. Bonaventure is pretty good. And Lofton's a heck of a guard, but... Uh, for the record, I guess I'll throw UCLA as my fourth. All right. So we got Villanova, we got Gonzaga, we got Texas, and we got UCLA going to -to back-to-back final fours. How I want too much chalk, I think, but (laughs) (laughs) hey, you haven't even seen the brackets yet. So you know, once the brackets come out, then it becomes a little bit easier. (laughs) Uh, At last check, it's still November. We we have a few months. It's okay. Yeah, we got some time. Those predictions are going to change. Howie. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope you get to watch a lot of college hoops, man. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling I'll be watching a ton of college hoops. I'm back. I'm going back to the TV in two minutes. No, seriously. I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, a Merry Christmas, a happy new year. And uh, great to be with you guys always. And uh, uh, thank you so much. Always great having you, my man. Thank you. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Special thanks to Howie for taking the time out of his day and joining us to talk some college hoops. I'll say this, though. Not picking my Kansas Jayhawks to go to the Final Four, that was messed up, man. Like, if you don't know who your fourth is, just throw them in there. Make the host happy. Make everyone who listens to this show, who is automatically a Kansas Jayhawk fan, 
happy on Thanksgiving. But anyway, it is time to wrap this thing up. Special thanks to Howie Schwab for taking the time and joining us to talk college hoops and what to expect throughout the campaign. Special thanks to our producer today, Daniel Kramer, and to our editor, Drew Rich. It is a holiday. Both these guys are out here busting it, making this show happen. And we can't thank you both enough. Also, big ups to our king of content, our CCO, our EP. He is the one. He is the only. He is the double B. His name is Bruce Bernstein. As for the rest of us all here at Pure Hoops Media, the Mike Wise Show drops each and every week. And every single Monday, Mike brings you entertaining takes, incredible stories, and high-level guests. Monica McNutt and King McCore. We talked a little Baylor hoops. We talked a little Georgetown. Both those, their alma maters. They have buckets, boards, and blocks every single Thursday. And BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And Otto and I are back every single Wednesday, which means we will be back next Wednesday with all your NBA news and nuggets right here on Catch and Shoot 2.0. For everybody out there who's out of office, who's enjoying their Thanksgiving meal. Thank you for downloading today's show. Thank you for being with your family. And from both Dan and I, we hope you guys have a great holiday weekend. We hope you guys enjoy a lot of college basketball and a lot of NBA basketball. And also go heavy on the sides. We'll see you guys next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.